you'll take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 16. Okay, Matthew 6, starting at verse 16. And whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face, as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance in order to see, be seen fasting by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you may be seen not fasting by men, but by your Father who sees in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will repay you. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you. Thank you for, Father, just being able to come here. Father, thank you that we live in a country where we can come and we can worship you openly, Father, and fellowship with one another and encourage one another. And yet, Father, I pray even more, thank you that we can come into your holy presence. We can come up to your feet and come up there and lay down our burdens and talk to you and our cares, and you're right there with us. Father, we just pray as Mike brings the message, Lord, of just that intimacy with you, that, Father, it stirs our hearts to want to be closer and closer to you all the time, Lord. So again, we thank you and just pray that your word would richly bless and talk to each one of our hearts. In your name, amen. I just uh, have to say that I enjoyed worshiping with you today. It just seems special. I am, uh, maybe it's because I was sitting back down in the front again, and I got to hear the fullness of the room, you know. But uh, we, Jan and I have become back row Baptists, and so <laughs> it's good to be back up front with the Christians. So, <laughs> Well, we've been discussing um, the spiritual fitness. We've been talking, and you know, that goes under different titles. Some call it uh, spiritual principles, some people call it uh, uh, dif- dis- uh, uh, even disciplines. The whole objective of all of that is to immediately and deliberately choose to take a course of action that will draw you into a more intimate relationship with God and also uh, grow you up spiritually. And there's all kinds of these expressions. We're taking some of these. It can be Bible study. It can be prayer, meditation, fasting, which we're looking at today. It can be service, um, solitude, submission, simplicity. It can be what we've done today, even as acts of worship, celebration, confession, guidance, so many, many ways. And there's lots of books that have been written that you can follow that give you some assistance in terms of deliberately bringing a discipline into your life so that you can have uh, a growth that would take place in your life. And so we've looked at some of those already. We've looked at uh, generosity, which I thought in Pastor Aaron's message on that was one of the best that I've ever heard on giving and generosity. It was excellent. Uh, He also spoke a couple of weeks on resting Uh, Pastor Tom spoke last week on praying. So, Pastor Aaron was trying to get you to rest. Pastor Tom is trying to get you to have an intimate conversation with God. And it's my job this morning to have you give up food. (laughs) 
Can you imagine? <laughs> but that's the task we're talking about, fasting. The scriptures address fasting over 70 times. And there's all kinds of reasons that one would fast. When we talk about fasting, and that has different definitions today, people talk about fasting, they're going to give up going on social media. People talk about fasting, they're going to give up their favorite TV program or whatever that might be. But particularly in Scripture, when it talks about fasting, it's talking about giving up food for a period of time. There can be all kinds of times that are given to that. Some of the more drastic fasts that we see in the Scriptures, Jesus was on a 40-day fast before the temptation as he was beginning his public ministry. Moses was on a 40-day fast. Those are supernatural fasts that, uh, that if you do launch out in something like that, you have to take advisement in that. You just don't launch out and say, I'm going to go 40 days in this process. You can't do that uh, and give up food in the process. So it's kind of interesting to just listen so that it gets ingrained into our mind and heart what we're talking about in terms of fasting. We hear different expressions. Fasting is turning my attention from pleasures of this world so that I might more fully focus my attention on Christ and find my greatest pleasure in Him. I like that definition. There's others that I'll give you. So it's a deliberate act of changing, turning my attention. Another definition was given, fasting is sacrificing something I value to pursue something God values for or through me, something that he places value on, and I want that to develop. Fasting is denying myself what I desire as a way of putting my desires for God first. Fasting is setting aside the less important things to seek the most important. A couple more here. Fasting is the discipline of putting God's eternal purposes before my temporal desires. Fasting is reserving the time, energy, and resources normally given to activity to pursue God and His will. Now, it's interesting to observe that if you choose to do a fast, and just for a general survey here, how many have, uh, have ever done a fast? Uh, say at least a one-day fast. How many of you have done a one-day fast? Wow. A lot of you. I, I just commend you for that, and, uh, and I want us to even consider even being more serious about that as individuals. There's nowhere in scriptures except in the book of Leviticus when it's talking about the Passover celebration that there is any command in scripture to fast. And here it was that they were in preparation for the recognition of their sins and a confession of those sins and the covering of those sins. They were instructed to go into a season of fast. That's the only place that the Scriptures uh, record any command to fast. All other fasts, whether you choose to fast or not, are all volitional. It's something that you desire or will commit to in the process. And, and, and God doesn't, uh, He's not sitting here saying, well, if you don't fast, you're a less Christian than someone else. 
or if you do fast, then that puts you a notch above others. That's not it. It's simply God gives us the choice of whether or not we want or choose to fast. Now, in the Scriptures, we do see a lot of different reasons that people fasted. We can find, as I say, there are 70 accounts of fasting in Scripture. Some do it to strengthen their prayer life. And, of course, when you give up food, the idea of that is, is that when you feel the hunger pangs, then that will draw you to God and God in prayer as such, that you'll just be reminded to pray. And you'll do that. You'll go through that. We're pretty faithful in feeding our bodies. And when you don't feed them, you know, about early in the morning, you, you want breakfast. And long time lunchtime, you want lunch. And if you haven't had breakfast or lunch, then supper is really necessary, you think. But to give all of that up is to say, Lord, I want to use this as a means to just throw all my focus on you. I want to talk to you. I want to pray to you about whatever it is that may be upon your heart or mine. It could be that, as is the case of in Judges, that you were seek, you're seeking God's guidance. You don't know what to do, and you're just saying, God, I, I just need your direction, and so I'm going to spend this time with you in fasting until I sense that. Sometimes we fast because of excessive grief. We see that in the Old Testament when the good kings would die, that the the, the land would go into a season of fasting, uh, declaring before God that they miss this one that they love so deeply. Sometimes we enter into that time of not eating, not because we've deliberately chosen to fast, but because we just simply lost our appetite and we are just uh, consumed with the grief that is around us. Other people have chosen to fast to, uh, for deliverance or protection. We find that in, in uh, Second Chronicles chapter 20, when Jehoshaphat learned that there was a coalition of nations that were coming up against him, and he was afraid. He didn't know what to do. He was powerless. But what he did was he called all of the nation together. In this case, it was not an individual fast. It was a corporate fast. Everybody was coming together for one thing, pray to God for our protection. And of course, he granted that in a marvelous way. And they had a great celebration on that. Sometimes we fast because we have a sin pattern within our lives, and we want to remove that. We want to take a serious stand against some area of our lives that has not conformed to the likeness of God. And we want to spend time in repentance and confessing that before the Lord. That's a legitimate use of a fast. Or simply to humble ourselves. We have that uh, where we're too fascinated with our own significance, and we want to die to ourselves. Well, there's other things. Consider God meeting our needs, uh, the expression of love and worship to God. All of these are ways in which we can fast and reasons for our fasting. I, I don't think that there is a, there's a protocol or a list of things that you can or cannot fast about. That's yours. Most of the fasting that I see in the Scriptures is between you and God. This is not something that everyone else knows about. This is something you're doing. And it should be kept that way, in fact. Um, and for fasting for as long as you choose in the process. 
So even though God does not address the issue of fasting, that you must or must not, we do find in the Scripture that God does evaluate how we're fasting. And in that evaluation, we can learn the way we should fast, and we can also learn the benefits of that fasting. So there's two scriptures that we want to look at this morning. In the uh, New Testament, we'll look at the passage that Rob read for us. We'll look at that passage. And then I'm going to go to an Old Testament passage as well. And both of these will be serving the purpose to evaluate uh, your fasting time. And the purpose of this is to make sure that when you're fasting, it's beneficial. And so turn again to Matthew chapter 6. And we look at Jesus' evaluation. Even though it's not commanded to do so, Jesus does take seriously some of these disciplines that mankind would practicing, such as giving, as we find in Matthew chapter 6, or praying, also in chapter 6, and in this case, fasting. Jesus choosing in this major address, giving the first major address in his ministry that he would give, He chooses to address these things. So it must be that fasting was a normal part of life, and it was skewed in terms of how they were going about doing that. And I love uh, the Sermon on the Mount because it is corrective in so many ways. And it's trying to get to the heart of man and his sincerity before God, as opposed to uh, superficial a hypocritical type of thing. And, and he talks about this even when he talked about prayer in the first part of the chapter. Is that, you know, don't, don't be like the hypocrites. When he talked about giving, don't be like the hypocrites. And now he addresses that same thing. So let's look and see what Jesus has to say about fasting. The first thing we observe is that he doesn't condemn it. Doesn't say you shouldn't, but he does say how you should go about doing it. Whenever you fast, volitional thing, and whenever it could be at any time, it's not a specific time. Although I believe the church could be, for certain situations, could be called to corporate fasting, that we would join together over an issue, much like Jehoshaphat did with the nation. But he says, when you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, nor neglect your appearance. So fasting then really is, that's why I say it's something private before God, and you're not sitting there trying to think, oh my goodness, I'm, I, I'm going without food, and, and, and you know that because it's on my face. Well, I doubt that your face is going to have too many expressions with one day of loss of food, really. The only reason you're doing that is because you want other people to recognize us, and that's what he says. So you don't go about with a gloomy face. And he says, so that, and here's the objective, so that you will be noticed by men when you are fasting. Fasting is a private matter between you and God, and other people have nothing to do with that, nor should you ask them to give a comment in regards to your fasting. It's there. Isn't it amazing to me that we set ourselves aside to fast with the objective of drawing more intimate with in a deeper sense of intimacy with God, to grow spiritually, and we do it in order to be seen by men. That's just such an oxymoron. That is such a contradiction. 
The greatest thing we do in our life, spiritually speaking, is to learn to die to ourselves. It's hard. And even in a thing that is supposed to be driven by a spiritual objective, honoring to God and pleasing to Him, we get skewed in all of that and it becomes all about us. You know, and he says that's not acceptable. But he does say this, that he said, but I say to you, you have your reward in full. They have their reward in full. Now that tells me something about this, that number one, that when we fast, there is an expectation that we're going to receive something. He doesn't say that we shouldn't have that attitude. He's just saying that what they were seeking to get, that's all they got. I often think about this, you know, so you work and you go all day long without eating and, 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 and somebody, that's it. They give you one applause and you're done. You have your reward in full. So what he does do then, he says, so uh, having given the instruction there, he says, let me tell you how you should go about doing this. But you, when you fast, whenever that is, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men. That's why I say it's a very private thing. Uh, There's no reason I should ever know you're fasting unless you make that known to me in some way. I should never know you're fasting. But it's a serious matter that you're going about. You may bump into some occasion when you have to acknowledge to other people that you're fasting But normally you're not just going to go around and make it known, even as he talks about in giving, the hypocrisy of giving. Earlier Jesus had talked about that. They would give with fanfare, trumpet sounding, and they would give their offerings just to be seen by men. But here it is. This is the matter between you and God, and this fits in with our spiritual fitness and our spiritual discipline, is to draw you into a deeper intimacy with God. He said, so, when, so that your, your fast will be not noticed by men, verse 18, but by your Father, who is in secret. That's why I say that it's a private matter. And God is observing this. And then notice what it says. And your Father will see what is done in secret and will reward you. So I want you to know that certainly... In prayer, there is a reward because we develop that answered prayers. We have intimacy with God in resting and so forth. But in fasting as well, there is a spiritual blessing that comes to you as a result of fasting. Now, that's not your objective in your fasting is to go, and I'm going to try to manipulate God in some way so that he will bless me. That's not the objective. But what he's saying is, is that the Father sees what you're doing. I love that. I love that God is observing what we're doing in life. And he sees your deliberate decision, whenever that is, to forego something for an objective, whatever that is, for spiritual deepening, for a conquering sin, for uh, a guidance, whatever, some of the things we looked at. But he sees that. And I have to say that when you do it right, he loves what you're doing. He rewards you for that. I think specifically we're going to see some of the rewards in the next passage that I look at, some of the rewards that he gives to you. 
Isn't that something that here we set, we set ourselves aside to honor the Lord, to pursue Him more deeply, trying to please Him and honor Him, and He turns it all around and He blesses us in that process. He delights in blessing us. So we learn some things from this passage that uh, fasting is acceptable practice, and you can do it at any time. It doesn't matter when, but when you do it, do it right. And it's simply this, not before men to be seen by them, but before the Father. And thirdly, we learn that there's a reward that comes with that, a blessing that comes to our lives. And I suppose fasting for us in an age in which we live where there is plenty, that uh, it's a more serious matter to give up food. And give up food. Have you ever, you ever decided you're going to give up food and then suddenly your mind is occupied with donuts? <laughs> I mean, you know, you think, because we're, we're just spoiled by eating as we do. Somebody said one time that it doesn't believe that there could be any church activity done that's of any success without food. <laughs> we're going to welcome in new members with a potluck. We're going to have an annual celebration with a potluck. You know, we're going to get together and fast and sign up online, and if you need any help, we'll let you know. <laughs> you know, it's just not, it's just hard. I actually had the pastoral staff over on um, Monday, and I didn't eat. I cooked hamburgers for them, and Jan fixed uh, cream puffs made from cooked pudding not instant pudding. Those things were some of the best I think she's ever made. They just puffed up. They're big and chocolate over there. I didn't eat. I didn't eat a hamburger. We made fries in the oven. I didn't eat that. And I'd like to tell you it's because I was fasting. It was the most miserable time watching them eat those things that I love so much. I wasn't fasting. I was sick. It was a God-imposed fast, (laughs) a whole new feature to it. And then, not only did they eat that stuff, but it all walked out the door. The rest of those cream puffs walked out the door. And I was thinking, oh, all this food I'm missing. We are so preoccupied with food in our culture. So when we do decide... Because I think we are, uh, you know, we all have our favorite foods and we like, to, we like to eat. And God intends for us to enjoy eating. He gave us smell. He gave us taste. I mean, you know, he wants us to enjoy food. He gave us ears when we hear that steak crackling on the grill. Yeah. It's fun talking about this before lunch. <laughs> so God wants us to enjoy food. So when we give up food... He does understand this is a serious thing that you're doing. He does. And he loves that you're doing that to honor him. So so I want to look at another passage of Scripture in the Old Testament, and that's in Isaiah chapter 58. And in this case, it's a little bit more extensive in terms of what he's doing here because he's dealing with the nation of Israel, and we can learn through their heirs what they're doing. We can learn, and we want to. And so he is dealing with them in their false sense of worship, and he's trying to correct that. 
So if you're with me in Isaiah chapter 58, the first part that he deals with this in the first few verses is, first of all, he deals with the necessity of the repentance of sins. And I just want to say to you that any one of these disciplines that we talk about, any, any one of these disciplines, whatever the uh, spiritual fitness that goes on, the thing that must start every one of those has to be the awareness of your sin. If you don't take seriously the issue of sin as God does, and you actually believe that you can do things to draw closer to God and never address sin, that's a mistake. You know, that's what I loved about uh, Steve's instruction to us this morning, that reflection upon God and who He is. So here's what we see. Look at the first part of verse 1, several following. It says, cry loudly, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet, and declare to my people their transgressions and to the house of Jacob their sins. Now, who is, who is saying cry out aloud, raise up your voice as a trumpet to my people? This is God saying this is what you need to do. Take it seriously the issue of sin, transgressions, violating the boundaries that I've said, those deliberate things in which you purpose to choose to serve yourself and not God. He said, I want you to be aware of sins. And yet, look at this, verse 2, and yet they seek me day by day and delight to know my ways. Now, on the one hand, he's saying, you got sin in your life. And now he's telling them, you seem to delight in my ways. At least that's the appearance that you give. As a nation that has done righteousness, you appear to be people who are seeking me and a nation that is doing righteousness and has not forsaken the ordinance of God. That's your acting as if that. And they say uh, and ask me for just decisions. So you're still observing things. You're still going through ordinances. You're still asking me for wisdom. You're still following directions and so forth. But it's not with the right heart. It's all filled with hypocrisy. He goes on. They delight in the nearness of God. Really? Why have we fasted and you did not see? Now we get to really, what are they saying here? They're saying that. Why have we fasted and you didn't see? We were doing it to be seen. Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? Behold, on the way, behold, on the day of your fast, you find your desire and drive hard all your workers. Now, that really gives us a context for understanding all of this previous stuff here. God, aren't we doing everything we should do? Aren't we really the good kind of people that you want? In reality, it was not because they were, as it is here, they were saying they were fasting, and this is what he's choosing to highlight here. They were saying they fasted, but they were actually still pursuing their desires, which is just the opposite of what fasting is all about, is to give up those desires. So in this first part here, he's saying you're going through forms, you're going through religious exercises, but your heart's not there. You're really not followers of me. Do you know how easy that is to do that? Do you know how easy it is to go through a ritualistic process? You can even read your Bible and not have it really meaningfully under the Lord. You can pray in the same way. You can come to church. You can give. You can sing. You can do all of that that has nothing to do with God. 
It's a form of godliness, but you deny the power. There's no sense of intimacy with God. That's what he's saying to these people right now. And it's really manifested in this issue of fasting. Their motive in fasting was not giving up something for God, but to get something from God. So he then begins to critique their fast and what is going on with this. Behold, look at the middle of verse 3. Now understand that he talks about this. He said, you seek me, sure you do that, but not sincerely. The nation is in righteousness? No, but not really. Ordinances? Yes. Wisdom? Yes. Really. Delight in my name? Yes, you do all of those things superficially. But now he says, behold, on the day of your fasts, And then he starts talking about this superficialness. You find your desire. You're not giving up anything. You're acting like you are, but you're not giving up anything. You're still cheating on your fast. You're sneaking along the side and getting that donut. And then acting as if you're something serious. And not only that... And this is where I think it's important because I think he highlights this as it goes on. And not only that, that in the midst of your fast, you drive hard all your workers. Now, why would he bring that up at this point? Here's what he's saying. If we are going to fast, the purpose of that fast is transformation. It is the likeness of Christ. It's the likeness of God. We're going to be different. He said, but you're going into this thing of actually saying that you're going closer to God, sacrificially giving up something, but you're still following your, your own pleasures, and you're not changing. You're not treating other people right. There is no impact as a result of the fast in your lives. He tells us what those things should be. We don't even have to question that. He begins to outline that. Verse 4, Behold, you fast for contention and strife and to strike with a wicked fist. It's all about you. So there is no character transformation. You're still the same self-centered, self-seeking, self-pleasure individual that you always were. That's not the purpose of a fast. That's what they were doing, though. Goes on in verse 4. You do not fast like you do. It says, you do not fast like you do today and make your voice heard on high. What you're doing here is not working. It is not appealing to me. It is, in verse 5, then he begins to talk to us. Is it a fast like this which I choose? A day to humble himself? Is it bowing one's head like a reed and for the spreading your sackcloth and ashes as a bed? So here, now what he's talking about, you think, well, sure, isn't that the right thing to do? Again, he's addressing, you're doing that as an outward show, as we found out in Matthew chapter 6. It's an outward show. You're choosing the fast, but is it, are you really humbling yourself? Are you spreading this out to be seen? And then he asked the question, will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this really what it's about? He answers that for us in verse 6. Is this not the fast which I choose? Now he's telling us, what does God's fast look like? What should be the characteristics of our lives 
as a result of true fast, loosening the bonds of wickedness. First step is, is that we begin to recognize our own personal wickedness, and we understand the national wickedness. So fasting then is not about puffing ourselves up and displaying ourselves with, with sackcloth and ash and, and, and spreading out the garments and so forth to be seen by men. It really is a keen awareness. I'm reading a thing with, um, about um, a daily devotional. And the daily devotional today is... Um, his confession is that when I draw close to the holiness of God, I know that I'm forgiven by God. I know that he has cleansed me from my sins, but I am so deeply aware of the iniquity and the sin that wants to creep up in my soul. So what he's saying here is if I'm really drawing close to God, I am made keenly aware of wickedness. And that's not to condemn us. It's just so that we can deal with it rightly. He goes on to say, it also should have the characteristic of, of loosening up bonds or, or heavy weights. In other words, now it's beginning to be, uh, I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I, I now, if I look on to, unto, uh, to undo the bands of the, of the yoke, that yoke that is a burdensome thing, and I'm not only saying, okay, in my life, Lord, as I've drawn close to you in giving up this thing of whatever it is in my fasting, I'm aware of this, and I'm aware that I have certain sin patterns in my life. There are certain things that I expose myself to that deliberately make me want to sin. I want to, I want to be loosed from those things. I want to be freed from those things. Or I'm now seeing that my brothers and my sisters are struggling with that. I want them to be loosed from that as well. I want to, I want to see the, the implication of your sacrificial work on my behalf that is to set me free. Wow, I love that already. That's fasting should be drawing me in to that mindset. And he says, and to let the oppressed go free. It ought to have an understanding that there are people around me and whatever the circumstances might be, it might be from self-imposed things. It may be from others that have imposed upon them, but there are people that are oppressed. There are people that are under the load of life. They're burdened by life. You could be that way. And he said, I'm aware of that, but I'm aware of others in that as well. Let them go free. God, it's freedom that I want. I want people, I want people that are hooked into the, the bondage, and these are such easy targets that, such, that are hooked into the bondage of drugs. I want people that are hooked into the bondage of anger. I want people that are hooked into the bondage of, 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 of pornographic addiction. I want people who, who, are, who are in the bondage of, of debt. I want people who are in the bondage of, of rege- revenge. I want people, God, I want them as I want for myself, I want to be set free. It's for freedom. You've been saved. Now I'm saying, oh God, you mean to tell me that this is what you expect that when I'm fasting, that I become aware of the wickedness in the world and in my own heart, that I become aware of those things that are burdening other people, that I become aware of those pieces that are things that are oppressing. I become aware and I should be sensitive to that, Lord. Yes, even as God is. Then he goes on to say more. And to break, I like that, to break every yoke. 
Is it not, verse 7, is it not to divide your bread with the hungry? I mean, I just gave up food. And now you want me to talk about giving food away? Hmm. What is he saying here? He said, do you, as a result of your fast, see life as I see it? Do you see those that are hungry? There's this commercial that goes on. It doesn't have to do with hunger. It has to do with sickness and uh, these St. Jude commercials that come on. I'm going to tell you something. Rip my heart out. They do two things. They rip my heart out and they jerk my billfold out. Just because they're just, uh, the, the, the pain and the, oh, God, can I be a part of helping in that? Can I be a part of helping solve some of the hunger that's going on in the world? Are there people that I know that I pray for that are in other parts of the world or even here that need my assistance that I could give food? But he goes on to say, because it's more, and bring the homeless poor into the house. You say, what in the world does homelessness have to do with fasting? God says it does. And when you see the naked, to, to clothe them and not to hide yourself from your own flesh. Now he's saying, he said, you ought to be concerned about your family members. It's as if he says, what I'm talking about right now are the hungers that are about you and, and, and those that, are, that need housing and those that need to be clothed. But I'm talking about in general, but it's specifically, even those that are in your own family. Well, you're not caring for them. Now, maybe you never, ever thought about fasting in those terms. Here's what I believe fasting does. To answer the question simply, fasting creates in us the mind of God. Fasting in us creates the heart of God. It creates the vision of God. It creates the desire of God. It removes you from your own selfishness, draws you in to the very objective of God, the desire and the will of God, and allows you to be partners with Him. You say, well, how, how can we do that? Now, I want you to hold your place right here because I'm, I'm ready to draw this to a conclusion. But I want you to look with me to Matthew chapter 25. And uh, you say, well, where are these people? And what is God talking? What is he asking me to do here? Isn't it interesting? I'm giving up something for God so that I can gain something, and he's asking me to do something more. Look at this. When verse 31 talks about the judgment that is going to come. The Son of Man comes in all of his glory, and the angels with him, and then there's going to be these nations that will be drawn before him. Verse 33 says, some will be sheep, some will be goat. Those on the right, uh, well, those on his, verse 34, he will say, come, you who are blessed, my Father, inherit the kingdom of heaven, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. And then he says, how do they know? How do I know that these are true children of the kingdom? It's manifested by who they are. 
For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. In other words, you in my family have been transformed into my likeness with the same spirit, the same desires that I have. I love it when it goes on down because he talks about departing. Verse 41 then he, was a, then, uh, he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. And I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. And naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and, you did, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry? or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not care for you, or take care of you. Then he answered them, truly I say to you, the extent that you did not do this to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. So he's saying here then, and I love this, fasting transforms us and allows us to see the world through the eyes of God. That's when you know you're on an authentic fast. And that's when you know you're no longer thinking about, oh, I didn't get that hamburger lunch or that cream puff. Again, that was a God-inflicted fast. It wasn't a choice. The food doesn't make any difference anymore because suddenly you've been invited in to see through the eyes of God and and the role and the part that you play in that. Your life suddenly becomes dynamic it's significant. You're drawn in. Now, back to Isaiah. We conclude here. You know what is so blessed about that? So, okay, God, I've entered into a legitimate fast now, and I see the transformation going on. I really am being changed. I really do see the life as you do. And then look what he says there in verse 8. Then, that's how it starts out, then your light will break out like the dawn. And your recovery will speedily bring forth and will spring forth and your righteousness will go before you. In other words, suddenly you're not in the darkness anymore. You're not confused anymore. It's a bright day. Things are going on. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. I'm going to open up newness to you. I'm going to open up life to you. He says it again, verse 9, then you will call on the Lord. You will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry, and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst and the point of the finger, in other words, you really change in your life. He's rehearsing some of the things they were doing wrong. The pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness. If you give yourself over to the hungry, the desires of the afflicted, then your light will rise. Then, there it is, three thens. Then, then, then. Something happens. Something different goes on. A reward such as he talked about in Matthew chapter 6. There's a reward that comes to you, and the reward is the very presence of God. Look what he says. Then, verse 10, then your light will rise in darkness, and your gloom will become like midday, and the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desires in scorched places and give strength to your bones and you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose water do not fail. What is he saying here? He says, you thought you were giving something up for me, and indeed you did, and you did capture the view, but I'm going to bless you because you did that. 
Isn't that just like God? If you have not experienced these types of things in the midst of your fasting, then I would say to you, as defined by God, you haven't had a godly fast yet. And maybe your fasting is really all about you. Maybe my fasting is all about me, trying to get something for God or manipulate something or change something or get a better job or, or maybe it's a new way to lose weight. I mean, I don't know what's going on with that. But if I really capture it the way God has it in mind for me to fast, I suddenly see God. And I see the world through his eyes. And then in the midst of all of that and my giving out and caring and sharing, he just pours it out on top of me. I would challenge all of us to engage in a godly fast. Potential dangers of fasting and the benefits of fasting. The dangers are you attempt to manipulate God. He sees through that. You attempt to oppress others. You have your reward in full. You become legalistic about fasting. I fast, you should too. What is wrong with you? Everybody fasts. God says it's a volitional thing. We become prideful about fasting. I fast, I give. You remember before the, the altar? I fast, and so forth. Those are all wrong things about fasting. But the benefits is, one, it grants you more time to pray and to really see life from God's perspective. It makes our heart more attentive to God. And I think it also demonstrates to God our seriousness. God, I'm serious about this. I want to know you and what you're all about. I think you should ask God if he wants you to fast. If he does, do that for him. And pray that your eyes will be open in the midst of the fast. And I would suggest that every one of these disciplines we're talking about are a way to see life through God's eyes. Whether it's prayer, whether it's giving, whatever it might be, it's a way to see life through God's eyes. I encourage you to do that. Thank you.